envisioned three female attorneys coming together to have our voices heard. Each of us would have different opinions, different passions, different backgrounds, and different views. Although we are different and unique, we are able to come together to discuss our experiences navigating through the legal profession and this thing called life. Now, the vision has come alive, and we invite you each and every week to listen to us as we talk about what's trending in the news and our legal insights, tackle real-life issues that affect not only us as attorneys, but us as women of color. Disclaimer, this podcast is intended to provide entertainment and general information. The information provided and the views given are not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as legal representation. All views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever we are affiliated with now or will be affiliated with in the future. Hey guys, it's your girl Brandy and we are back for another wonderful episode, but this time we are live on our Facebook page. So everybody bring your friends Come on in, gather in, so we can have this juicy discussion to talk about um, back to school, to open or close. That is our question. So um, before we get started, I just want to make a really couple great remarks real quick. One, happy anniversary to my ladies. Thank y'all again for riding this journey with me. Uh, We've made a year. This is our one month anniversary and we've been celebrating. So thank y'all again for, you know, holding it down with me. Also, I want to let everybody know that if you have not followed us on Instagram or Facebook, you need to because the week of August 24th, we about to give away some good giveaways, honey. And we want if you want to participate, you want something good, um, make sure you participate. Help us celebrate our one year anniversary. So follow, like, share on No Further Questions Facebook page on our Instagram and No Further Q and on Twitter nfq pod because we are definitely about to give away some good giveaways and um so let's get started we have a wonderful panel today and um again like i said we've been talking about back to school back to school has started it's crazy in these streets um a lot of schools are reopening some kids are having to go virtual some kids are having to um go into school so you know we've had a lot of that we're still in a pandemic but before i get started I gotta have my girls introduce themselves and then we'll introduce our panel. T Hutch, what's up? Hey guys, it's Taria. I'm back. I hope everybody's having a wonderful day. And I'm really excited to um, discuss this hot topic and, and answer the question should we open or should we close schools? All right, Sam Phrase. Hi guys, this is Sam Phrase. Um, I'm excited about the live because. Uh, the funny part is they don't care whether we should open or not. The schools are open. So I am interested to find out uh, what are we doing, guys? How are we doing? Are we okay? Well, and can, I clarify, can I clarify real quick? When I say open, I'm saying should you be in person or should you be online learning? So that's what I mean when I say should we open or should we close? School has to happen. Kids have to be educated. But do they need to go inside the school or can they work from home? That's what we're going to be discussing tonight. And also, too, you know, there's really no right or wrong answer, but it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. Because I know it's a lot of parents. I got friends that have children and they have been like, it's, their kids have started school and they're just like, mm-mm. It's horrible. <laughs> They're not liking it. 
But let's go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and introduce our wonderful panel of educators, Black Girl Magic across the board here. Let's start with Miss Erica. Introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are. But real quick, Erica, let me go ahead and throw this out. I want to make sure that our panelists are amazing. And at the same time, these are their views that are on their show. So don't come for them. They're not a representative. They're not a representative of their school district. They are only giving their views on how they feel about COVID and COVID nineteen in the school. So don't come for them, parents. Don't come for them. <laughs> These are just their own personal views. This is they do not represent their school district. Now, Miss Erica, let everybody know who you are. Introduce yourself. I am. Hello, everyone. I am Erica Ward. Um, I just started my fourth year teaching second grade. Um, after a 10-year career in retail, I made the huge transition into education. And honestly, I really can't see myself doing anything else. I absolutely love it. Um, COVID with education, I have been a teacher that has volunteered to be an on-campus teacher. So this is going to be a very interesting conversation, but I'm excited. Cool beans. And Dr. Tanisha Gale, please introduce yourself and let, let our viewers know who you are. Hi, I'm Dr. Tanisha Gale. Um, this is my sixth year in the classroom. Um, I started off as a social worker and realized that I was putting out a lot of little fires that were caused by lack of education. So I made the big switch into education. Um, after two, three years of teaching, I decided to get my doctorate in curriculum and instruction. And so now education is like my life. I've lived it, I've studied it, I'm in it. Um, I'm currently a classroom teacher in middle school. So I'm in the throes of it. And I'm a teacher who opted for, or asked for as many virtual sessions as possible. Cool. And Ms. Letitia Edwards. Hello everyone, I'm Letitia Edwards. Um, this is my 14th year in education. Um, this, I'm going into my fifth year as an assistant principal. Um, I have always been teaching and working in the schools, went from teaching third grade um, to kindergarten, and then, um, as I stated, five years as an administrator. Cool beans. Like I said, we got this Black Girl Magic going on over here in this education. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving thank it. Thank you guys for being here. You know, I normally say thank you for your service to military people, but I feel like I should say that to y'all because y'all are really on the front lines, Okay. So thank you guys for teaching the children. The children are the future. <laughs> well, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, so we kind of break this up. And because we are live and we want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to provide their own take, um, we have this segment. Well, this episode broke down into cases. So I hope my, my co-hosts out there got they running the show up because we're going to each take a segment and, you know, Throw it out there. So I will start with, and I love how Taria did this. We're going to start with case number one. Taria, you'll take case number two. And Sam, you'll take case number three. And then we'll just go from there, four, five, six, and seven. So let's go ahead and tackle it. And let's get in, delve into this conversation. So our case number one basically is COVID in the 2020-21 school year. So again, as I stated before, Schools are reopening. First day of school has started for many last week, this week, or whatever. Um, I don't. Some of us have noticed that you know the high school in Georgia they had to shut down or whatever because all those high school kids were in one setting and they contracted COVID. 
um, as you know, people are upset. They don't want to send their kids back to school because they don't know what's going on. So what are your initial thoughts on the current situation like right now? And this question goes to each of y'all. So we can start with Erica, then um, Dr. Gale, and then Miss Edwards. So Miss Ward, Dr. Gale, Miss Edwards, let's go. Well, I, I mean, the situation is, is just a hot mess all the way around. Um, I think as far as the school in Georgia, I don't think there was much strategic planning that went into it. I think it was a bit of a rush um, I started school this past Thursday and we are starting virtual, but later on next month, we will be in the classroom. Well, the parents who answered the survey, who said that they wanted their kids to be in the classroom, that's when we'll start. Um, but I really think as long as the administrative team has your back hundred percent and there are strategic plans in place and, you know, as a teacher and a team, you feel secure about your job. I personally feel it's okay. So um, I think it's a hot mess. I think, you know, you, it's going to go one way or another. There's really no say. I'm not a person to function well in things that, you know, of uncertainty and things that, that are just going on a whim. I cannot function like that. So it's been a struggle for me. So this past, these past two weeks have been a roller coaster, but I'm happy to be back with my students, I'm virtual now, but I mean, just the, the fact of seeing my ba my new baby's faces, it just really makes me happy. I was, summer was not fun for me at all. It wasn't. <laughs> As you can tell, she's an elementary school teacher. Yeah, right. <laughs> the high school teachers are like, oh my God. <laughs> Miss Tanisha, what about you? How do you feel about the current situation about um, the reopening? So I think that I understand the um, immense pressure that superintendents and administrators are under. Um, my my overall feeling is just that of concern. Like I know that as a teacher, I love being in front of students. I love being in the classroom, but I also like living. And I know it's kind of dramatic, but at the end of the day, you know, a virus doesn't discriminate against race, gender, age, none of that. If you get the virus, you have it. And then we don't know if it's going to go, you know, mild symptoms or if you're going to end up with severe symptoms. And so for me, it's just concern because I feel like we're playing Russian roulette with lives and health when and then when you start asking questions like, OK, so say if I as a teacher, if I get sick and I have to be hospitalized, who's responsible? Because teachers, we don't have the best insurance in the world anyway and then there's no answer. Or if you, we just got an answer about um, if we have to quarantine, do we lose our work days? It took a month to get an answer on that. And it came down to the CARES Act. So I'm just, I don't like the uncertainty. And I always keep asking like, if we have to make all these accommodations to make this happen, this face-to-face -face happen, then why even do it? When you've trained your teachers to go virtual, We've done, I mean, we basically flipped our classrooms. We did something that would take a corporation years to do in a matter of months. And now you're telling us now we have this hybrid thing going on. So it's kind of like, if we're prepared to do it one way, let us keep preparing to make that the best way until things are safe. And then we can start the, um, the hybrid model. So just overall concern. I like that. And Ms. Latish, you next. What are your concerns? Um, I think my just initial thought um, 
there is a level of concern, but there's also a level of um, anticipation of wanting to see the students, knowing that the students also need us. Um, that has me really in the middle of all of it. I know that there are a lot of safety precautions that have to be made and considerations made for, for staff and students equally. Um, but I think it's just gonna take a lot of um, organizing, communication with administration and their staff, um, with the district leaders, just to be sure that we're all on the same page. Because as we know that, you know, talking a thing through and living the thing through can always put some curves and things that you didn't anticipate. So, you know, it's gonna be one of those day to day that we reflect and we um, make it better each day because we know that, you know, this is something new for everyone. There's no one that has had this experience that can say, okay, let's do it like this and we know it's gonna work. Um, I do believe that the students need us. Um, they need our presence, you know, there are different places across the city that have, you know, more access or less access. So those faces from their teachers are very important. I like that. I mean, there is, it's a lot of concern out there and it's a lot of parents who are, you know, have uncertainty. And that's one thing that y'all have said consistently, like it's a lot of uncertainty out there. So, and, but unfortunately this is our new normal. And this is what we have to live with, you know, during this time. So let's keep the conversation moving and let's talk about the um, the online learning. So Taria, take it away with online learning. Okay, so we we all know that this is with the with the new school year, it kind of um, the across the board, across the nation, it was a discussion of should we be, should the students be taught online or should they go in person? And so as far as the online learning, um, when I did my little research on this, and again, I do law, but I was really curious about this topic as to finding the pros and the cons from, from all the parents and just, just sitting back and listening, right? Um, there was a lot of different themes that just kept coming up. I feel like, um, and, and I'd love to hear from the three of you guys as to the main pro when it came to online was really this, this aspect of safety. Um, and it was almost like, if, if we keep everybody at home, then everybody across the board stays safe. Um, one of the biggest cons, of course, was um, lack of resources and whether or not everybody would have all the resources that we need because COVID has taught us a lot of things. It's showed us where our healthcare systems stand. It has showed us where our economic systems stand. It showed us that we knew that there was levels to the finances and economics, but then it just kind of blew it up, right? So even though Johnny over here might be able to afford three computers in his household, Johnny Smith might not be able to have any computers and really trying to figure out how does everyone have the same level playing field. So if y'all can really just, you know, we could start with just safety and just talk about why is onlining a good opportunity? And I know um, Dr. Gail, you wanted to be online. So I guess I'll let you start us to why you definitely want to be online? Um, I think starting online, uh, when I think about the safety of community, because we know that schools are basically like uh, um, a mini community, but when they leave our hallways and our classrooms, they go out into the real world and they spread viruses. Um, we've had, I've had a couple of friends and actually one of our school board members actually mentioned that her pediatrician said, as soon as we went on lockdown, flu season stopped. 
meaning that the kids were the ones basically spreading the flu virus. Not saying it was just solely them, but, but the season definitely came to a slow. And I don't know how many of y'all have been in the school and you saw the kids with like the red fingers because they've been eating the Takis and they put their, they share the Takis, they share the hot Cheetos and everybody comes in with these, you know, red fingers and stuff. So when we're talking about safety, if the kids are sick, if the kids get sick, they take those home to their parents or their grandparents or their guardians. And then now they're sick. And oftentimes um, when I was working um, as a social worker, a lot of those students were who had guardians or grandparents taking care of them, they were not in the best of health. And so to think that these kids will leave our school, possibly pass around a virus where they show no symptoms and take it home to somebody they love and care about, and now this person is severely ill, I think that would be more devastating than missing or than starting school, you know, starting school in class um, instead of virtually. So I really think, I just think about community safety as well as just school safety. Um, and with the virtual learning, I've had to have Zoom meetings. We started last week and I can say it's not easier. It's not the easiest way to build relationships with students, but it can be done. I have kids who are constantly emailing me asking, are we having Zoom? Are we having Zoom? And when they show up, they show up. I had one, one Zoom session where I had 90 something kids in there. So they are looking for us and they are looking to connect with us. Um, and it's still possible to have those relationships. And I definitely feel for the students um, who have less resources, but I also think the districts did a good job of handing out Chromebooks. Um, I think Hidalgo mentioned there were extra funds if you're starting online for hotspots in um, Chromebooks or laptops for the students as well. So I think as just like a community, we just have to kind of pull together and make sure we're taking care of those who are less fortunate, so. And thank you. Um, and Ms. Ward, uh, Ms. Erica, I know that you chose to go in person um, to teach in your classroom. Now, are there students with you at this point? Are you in person or are you just in person doing a Zoom live feed? I am a virtual teacher as of now. Um, at my school, I'm, at a, I'm in a charter district. So our school sent out a parent survey. So the parents got to choose the option of doing 100% online. The other option was to kind of go at your own pace. And then the third option was to be an in-class student. So I, they of course needed teachers to be the on-campus teacher and they gave the teachers the same survey, like which one would you rather do? Um, I, on my second grade team, I am one of two of the eight teachers that um, I live by myself. So there are other teachers that are living with older relatives or that have newborns and things like that, that of course wouldn't volunteer to go on campus, but because I'm leaving <laughs> my house and coming back to a space, you know, I decided, well, I don't think it'll be that bad if I went on campus. And so um, back in March, of course, we went on spring break and never came back. And so my school fortunately um, gave Chromebooks to every student. And so we hopped on Zoom immediately. I absolutely hate technology. I am a hands-on person. I hate it. So I was probably worse than the kids just the first day 
my body hurt. We were on live Zoom with them all day. You know, I know some other teachers, you know, made a video and sent it to them. I was on live with my students every day, which I absolutely loved, of course, seeing their faces. But I probably went to bed at seven o'clock, which is probably no later than no earlier than my regular bedtime anyway. But it was just the physical damage that it did to me just sitting down. I, I have the attention span of a second grader. That's why I teach them. So I can't, <laughs> it was just keeping, it was just so much at one time watching 40 students, you know, making sure this kid isn't about to show what's happening in the background and making sure this parent, making sure this other kid is on mute because this mom is hollering in the background. And it's just, it's a multitasking on a million. And it was the worst. Of course I have to do it, <laughs> but I, do not for me personally i do it because i have to i do it because i love to see my kids every single day the last day of school i was a complete wreck i cried all day because i i just never saw i never saw my kids before spring break it was the worst and so like some of my kids didn't want to get off they were like no we just want to stay on all day with you and it's just that that small connection with them that you know we of course built in the beginning of the school year. So now it's a little different that I'm introduced to my students online. So it's a little different, but because I'm the on-campus teacher, you know, come next month, I should be on campus with them. So I have a smaller amount. So I think that's the fortunate part, but um, virtual learning as a child, I can only imagine. We've started with the full day. Now we're like half of a day because of the screen time and the attention span and you know things like that. It's it's a completely different world. So I was gonna ask you, what do you think is now that you're back teaching and you're doing the virtual, what is a what's the biggest con that you're seeing um, as doing the online learning? Um, the con is really just keeping the attention of a seven and eight year old. It's that's really it. I mean, you can I do gold noodle. I dance all day. I bring my microphone out. I mean, just everything just to keep them engaged. That's the that's the 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 most challenging part is keeping them engaged because you are going to get those one who, you know, are squirmy. They have to get up. They have to move. You have those one that can sit down and could care less. Every child is different. And so just keeping everything on that straight and narrow and trying to accommodate all of these children without being in front of them, it's that's the biggest challenge. It's just, I mean, of course it's a challenge being in the classroom and dealing with different personalities, but doing that same thing virtually and trying to keep their interest so that they don't put their computer down and go watch TV or you know go to sleep, <laughs> that's the biggest challenge is keeping them engaged. Do y'all feel you. like, um, I'm sorry, I have a really quick question. So do y'all feel like, um, like Dr. Gale, you said you had 90 students and Ms. Ward, you said that you got to keep them engaged. My question to both of y'all is, is, do you find it more time trying to tell a child to, hey, you need to wake up, don't go to sleep or whatever versus teaching them? Like, are you finding more like during virtual disciplining them versus teaching? I have middle schoolers. So I'm not going to care if they are <laughs> <not> worried <laughs> if they are up and moving around. I guess um, I haven't had discipline issues. Um, a lot of what I'm teaching at this, well, at the beginning is about kindness and how to be online and be a nice person. 
So I can say like, you'll have your kids who would try to make a joke. I had one who tried to make a joke out of COVID, but before I could even jump in, the other kids were like, that's not funny kindness. And you know, they're, they're getting it. So um, I, management issues, I haven't had any, but I'm also not one um, because they're middle schoolers and you have, they do need to move. If they get up and start moving around, I'm okay with that as long as they come back. Um, there was a big issue about should they have their cameras on? I'm not forcing anyone to turn their cameras on because I don't know where you live and I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing your private space. But um, I haven't had any like major issues with managing um, a group of kids on Zoom. I haven't. A question about, um, this is kind of like the family lawyer in me, but um, I represent some children who are within the CPS system. And we are having a really tough time with finding resources um, because although um, they do provide Chromebooks, the districts, most districts do provide Chromebooks, sometimes there's issues with the Wi-Fi. There are multiple children in different grades in the household and not enough. And also some of them do not have the hands-on parents who can walk them through when they don't understand. So my question is, has the district considered those students, those students that really don't have their parents in the household to help them? Yes, Ms. Ward. Um, <laughs> I have to raise my hand. Um, I. Fortunately, um, my school, we're in, of course, in that situation now. I think the first part before summer, it was a little different because we were just kind of thrown into the whole situation. But I think over the summer, you know, they kind of thought about that more. And because we had to ask our students or our parents who had Wi-Fi, who had a computer, you know, we had to figure that out. So now that we're back, though, you know, we're, I know some districts are providing hotspots. Um, my district fortunately has invited those students to the school. And so, you know, for those parents who can't, who don't have anyone to watch them, you know, we have IAs in the gym, you know, they're separated and, you know, they're of course, social distancing and things like that. They have their mask on, they're on zoom with me with their mask on, you know, and I have, because I'm the on-campus teacher, I have most of those students. So of course, when the schools open, I'll get those students in the classroom with me, but I think it was a good thing, you know, for what you're saying, they considered those aspects. So they invited those children to the school, you know, to have the internet, to, you know, have a space where they can learn and they have somebody there to assist them. So I think that was a, um, a good thing or the alternative for providing the hotspot. And Ms. Edwards, before I switch it over to Sam talk about the in-person learning, I wanted to discuss one of the other biggest concerns I saw with, uh, or cons I saw with online learning, which were parents um, who did not, could not afford to stay at home with their kids and they had to work. And most of those parents are normally your, um, your first responders and your essential workers or your blue collar workers that really just, you know, they kind of keep our country ticking with the grocery stores and you know the Walmarts, the Sam's and all those things. So as an administrator, have you had um, any complaints yet from the parents as to um, what do I do? Because I am, you know, my child is gonna be online learning. How, how are y'all navigating those type of issues? 
Um, for my district, we actually pushed our start date back. So we're not starting to September 8th and we're offering in-person and virtual learning. So we don't necessarily have that um, issue with, um, in terms of the parents who don't, that can't send their kids to, stu uh, to school. It's more the concern of they can send them, but they still aren't comfortable sending them. So then they're having to make that decision. Um, but I personally haven't um, had any parents um, I guess, upset about it. I know there were some parents that thought it was gonna just be virtual and wanted it, but now that the district is giving both options, they seem to be happy um, with the decision that is made. Um, I've just been encouraging them to take this time now to really practice washing hands, using sanitizer, practicing going outside the house, wearing their masks, so they can get comfortable to uh, get used to some of those norms, just as a staff, um, has to do. I know for me, I spend most of my summer at home. So going back to work, I've had to make it a practice, which is good that I have this time before the kids arrive to get used to make sure that I'm wearing my mask all day, doing all the things that I need to do. So, you know, that's probably the biggest thing that parents also need to do between this time and when we begin is getting those routines and those practices um, instilled in their student now so that it's easier when they're at school. And what are the numbers looking like um, as far as the percentages of who's decided to stay at home and who's decided to uh, do in-person learning? Do y'all have those statistics yet? Um, right now, we're looking closer to like a 50-50 split. Um, okay. um, our school is roughly at 1,100 and we're about five 550 um, that'll be on campus and then the same at home, um, around about number. Um, I'll be honest, a lot of them are, like, as you mentioned, the essential um, first responders, those types of jobs that are sending their students to school um, because they have to work. Um, and that's totally understandable. And we feel as administrators and as a campus, that it's our job to um, put all the safety precautions in place so that those students can have access in person, but also be safe. Thank you. I'll turn it over to Sam now. Back to oh. you, Sam. <laughs> Welcome. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, in-person learning. So um, a little bit of background about me. I am a child of an educator. So my mom is in her 60s and she is having in-person school because she's a principal. Uh, my husband is a teacher football coach and they also will be starting their season. Um, so they have football practice. So I guess my question to you first are what are some of the advantages to having the in-person learning? We know what the disadvantages are. What are some of the advantages that you guys can see? Well, for me, it's just straight up getting me out of my house, honestly. Please <laughs> get me out of my house. Um, even as I'm teaching virtually, I am teaching from my classroom. This spot that I'm in now is where I taught at home last year um, for the last seven or eight weeks. And I am on a stool or I sat in my makeup chair. My back hurt. This table is about <laughs> this big. I just did not have the space. Um, and 
at school. I'm at my kidney table. I have all of my resources. I have everything that I could possibly need. Um, besides that, of course, you know, the kid interactions and the fact that my school has a plan in place. So knowing that, you know, and not just, okay, good luck, you know, may the odds ever be in your favor. You know, it's not, they're not throwing us in there like that. It's, it's a plan and it's okay. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're providing you. You know, we've been given the PPE, you know, already, even for those teachers who, you know, want to come to the school and teach from their classroom. So my overall pro is getting me out of my house because I'm tired of being here. <laughs> um, I was, oh, I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead. You got it. Uh, I was going to say the biggest pro for me is the relationships, um, even with the staff, you know, being able to see them, being able to support them um, because everyone isn't feeling completely comfortable. I know a lot of the conversation is about, you know, the parents and their comfort level, but there's also risks that the teachers are taking by being there. So, and, you know, when we are there with them, you can, um, you know, support them and, and be there to guide and um, do what is needed. Um, of course, with all of the safety precautions that have to be taken, um, but they're gonna have to be taken, in my personal opinion, whether we come back now or we come back in November, because this is something that has been around much longer than what we anticipated. And we also know in our communities, everyone doesn't agree with wearing masks. So, you know, even if we're not in the school, if everyone is not abiding by the same rule in our community, this may be a problem October, November, possibly December or longer. So, um, you know, that we just have to do what we have to do in the school to keep our students safe and work with them. But those relationships are key for students as well as adults. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the relationship building. That's probably, the, as a teacher, I'm going to definitely miss that, um, or I miss that in general. Um, another thing I um, think is a pro for face-to-face -face teaching is as a, I'm a science teacher. So when I'm talking about my curriculum, I want it to be as hands-on as possible. And that's kind of impossible to do um, virtually. I have to come up with digital labs or hope somebody's already made some digital labs so I can just borrow those. But um, I think for teachers who are used to um, a certain way of teaching, definitely face-to-face -face is um, a, a pro, um, especially for like the teachers who don't like technology or the teachers who um, are a bit older, close to retirement, and they're like, this is a lot I have to learn. Um, That's my mom right there. Yeah, That's this is mom. a lot. Because <laughs> it was. Okay. We definitely learned a whole new platform or two in a matter of months. And it is a lot. And so I think a pro to being face-to-face -face is used to, you have an arsenal of things, tools you can pull out of your bag and just go and teach. And so definitely just being back to the way things were, that normal feeling and a normal way of teaching is definitely a pro. Yeah, how the kids gonna do their science project? Yeah. Going to the science fair was like my favorite thing. <laughs> I was well, right. a first place winner, by the way, guys. Go ahead. Regionally. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I, I was gonna say, um, of course, in Miss Edwards, you know, teaching kindergarten, you know, we teach all four subjects. <laughs> so the transition. Okay, let me pull this PowerPoint up. Okay, let me get this YouTube video because you have to pull 
all of those resources out versus in the classroom, you know, we can play a quick game just to do a transition to from one subject to the next. So, you know, now we have to have these brain breaks and, you know, they have they have to take a break because it's a lot for them, too. Mm -hmm. And just transitioning from, you know, math to science to reading, it's it's just so much like, okay, now let's you know, we have the manipulatives, you know, they're second grade. They're learning, you know, a lot of (laughs) new things. So the manipulative that they have, there are those kids who need to sit out 20 and move 10 away, you know, so. We had to go get some Skittles, go get some pennies, go, you know, find some things around their house so that they can still have those hands on. <laughs> find some nuts. Somebody needs to eat that whole bag of Skittles. They need to eat that they don't well, come back. If you, do my work, <laughs> if you do my work, you can eat the Skittles afterwards unless you turn your camera off. But, you know, <laughs> I'm but that to person, but... But my question is, what if they don't come back? You told them to go get some Skittles, get some pennies, and then they oh, just they, they ain't gonna come they back. They come back. They come back. <laughs> I, it's it depends on the child. You have those kids who have a whole bunch of siblings who you know they're used to being around people, so they may linger or go play. You know, I had younger siblings running across the camera. One of my kids, she was a whole second grader, holding and rocking her newborn sister in the camera. Yes. Um, you know, then you have those kids who are the only child. So their biggest thing was coming to school and seeing their friends. So now that they're at home, all they have is a computer. You know, I, I used to get on early just to let them talk to themselves, you know, or, you know, talk to each other just to have a conversation because I know they missed that. And so it's just, they, and they would just, I mean, ask me a thousand questions. They're showing me everything in their house. I mean, I (laughs) don't. Don't judge the only children. We don't have a lot of community. We don't. We We get excited. We (laughs) want to share. Right. Only children. Yeah. I mean, showing me everything. Probably some things their parents probably did not want them to share. But (laughs) those are kids. Like that's just what they do. So it was just dealing with that and dealing with those different, you know, those different types of kids. You just everybody's different. You had those kids who did not want to log off because they knew that, you know, they were done seeing their friends and they were quarantined. So they weren't about to go outside and play. They didn't have those play dates. So it was just, it was difficult. So I would stay on and just let them talk my ear off. So my next question is for in-person because it seems like most of your districts you're doing some virtual learning, some in-person, but we want to caution the people out there. It's not like you just showing up to school like your regular day. There have been some changes made in place. Um, can you guys discuss? And I want to hear from Ms. Edwards as the administrator on some new policies that you ha- you guys have set in place to make in-person learning when the kids do arrive a little bit, make the classroom a little bit safer. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're asking all students to wear their mask. Um, they have also allowed for students to wear shields, um, both and or. Um, and then, you know, we have incorporated um, hand sanitizer stations across the entire building. Um, you know, we have the cleaning that happens throughout the day. The teachers have been so also um, been supplied with um, cleaner for their classrooms um, and the correct material that allows them to clean in between um, doing activities with their students. Um, And then it's going to be a lot of just teaching. Um, 
in elementary, a lot of it is procedural things anyway that we're teaching kids to do um, pre-COVID. But now we're going to be teaching, you know, how to wash your hands, how to use sanitizer, doing it before you do an activity, washing again after you um, complete an activity, and then the entire practice with wearing a mask. Um, as um, we were discussing earlier, you know, there are students that have different needs and different um liabilities in terms of wearing their mask and the reasons why they can and can't do that. Um, and we're going to have to figure out how we can accommodate those. Currently, we have a lot of those students that won't be face-to-face. -face. They'll be um, doing completing their learning from home. But then as they enter the building, again, as I stated, you know, this is going to be a learning pro process that we have to go through and we have to figure out um, as we're working, but, you know, we want to make sure parents are aware that students are also provided with a, in our school, um, it's a foldable plastic that they can put up around them to keep them safe while also wearing a mask. It's uh, a plastic with, like uh, what we used to have back in the day. A blocker. You know, like when, when you took a okay. test, put your folder up. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, we, we have blockers and we've had discussions about them being able to carry it to their music and art and maybe to the cafeteria. You know, we're spacing students in the cafeteria that they're not sitting right next to each other. It's every other stool and, you know, not face to face. So there are those protocols. We're also working as we're building classes to make sure classes don't have as many students so that they can um, socially distance the students in the classroom. Um, and that's one of the pros that we're providing both in person and at, and at home and that our numbers are lower, that we can do that. Uh, we have that flexibility to make sure the classes don't exceed a certain number um, right now. But of course, as time goes on, parents will decide to send them back. And then we'll hopefully when that happens, um, the situation as a whole is better. So it won't be such of a risk. Um, but having that fewer number on campus has allowed for us to um, include some extra social distancing that we wouldn't have if there wasn't virtual. Let or, me a virtual option. Let me give you a tip, Miss Edwards. Okay. Go ahead and put the kindergartners on a whole separate ring because there's no <laughs> social distancing. They'll be taking off the mask, switching each other masks, hugging each other, kissing each other. Yes. Just put them quarantine up. The kindergarten teacher and put put all them kids by themselves. They on their own. Hunger game. So, I have a question, Miss Edwards. This is for you as being an administrator. So what happens like when they have to go to the restroom? Like what are y'all having them go one at a time, or how's that going to work with the um, bathrooms? We have had discussions of taking the entire class. Again, it'll be a smaller number, mm -hmm. um, but taking the entire class and then sending one or two in at a time so that you can better monitor what that looks like. We've also um, water fountains. The students will not be able to use the water fountains. They have to bring their own um, water bottle and then they have the water stations where they can refill. So that reduces, you know, because in elementary they use I was gonna say, water fountains. People still use a water fountain? Yes. <laughs> but now they won't have access to it, which, you know. That's probably where coronavirus started. <laughs> They shut ours off. With that little lip on the water fountain. Yeah. The bin got rid of those. Yes. So to get rid of that, they have water, the water stations, and they'll each kid will have their individual water bottle that they bring um, and take home every day. And we for our pre-K students, they'll clean the mats, they'll, you know, blankets and stuff will be sent home 
to make sure that they're being clean, things like that. So we have a, quite a few things in place. It's just hoping everyone abides by it and don't give too much pushback. Y'all know every Karen is not about to wash their blankets. They're about to shake that on and send it back. I mean, you're probably right. Y'all need <laughs> but, to keep the blankets and wash them yourself. But we're going to, but we actually had that discussion, but then that puts the teacher at risk of taking all those blankets mm -hmm. home. And then what does that do to their family? Well, Lifestyle sells some fabric sanitizer because I have that in Clorox. You just spray it on there. <laughs> Are y'all surprised that there isn't a one set of rules that like the, I think it's the TEA. So correct me if I'm using the wrong entity, but the TA did not create, um, create like one set of rules and one set of regulations for the entire school districts in Texas. Are y'all surprised that they didn't do that? Or is that just me? I don't know if they could. I think, okay. yeah, um, every school district is a little bit different, even just here in Houston. And so I think if they try to, they are, well, we did, we did try to do a blanket like one size fits all type of thing and people got upset and they wanted choice because we were infringing on their freedoms and this is like martial law and you know just kind of spiraled out of control and so i don't think tea as an entity felt comfortable with giving blanket statements and i think it's been a kind of this toss around you know either it's coming from tea or the health department or abbott <laughs> or the district attorney and you just kind of have to choose who you listen to at this point so I'm not surprised that they, I think they tried when they mandated us all to wear a mask in the beginning. And then that kind of blew up. And after that, I think they just kind of um, stepped away from that idea of a blanket. And it's tough because every school district has a different size. Yeah. Uh, there are different areas. And I think the majority of Texas schools are rural. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we do have super large school districts in the major cities, but I think the majority of the state, they're rural schools that may only have 40 to 50 kids total. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. The variation of, you know, we're a campus of 1100. There are also some schools in our district that have 600, 700. So there or the rural areas, it's very easy for them to social distance. They could do no online, everyone face to face and be totally fine because they can space the kids out. So creating that one size fits all really in Texas doesn't. I mean, in a lot of places, but especially here in Texas, it, it's hard to make that work. Oh, okay. I'm not an educator. I don't have any kids. So, you know, I'm, I'm in that wonderful world of just living my best life in COVID. But is, what do y'all do for lunch? Do, do the kids, if they're online, does the, well, <laughs> the kids take lunch, Miss Ward. Oh. I know they do. I oh, know God. they do. <laughs> I think what she but was saying is teachers and administrators don't have lunch <laughs> at all. No, I I got up on that one too. I, I saw how she came for me. No, but it's, it's the kids. So you know, uh, Miss Ward was talking about how she tries to keep them um, engaged throughout the day, throughout the subjects, or whatever. But I was just curious for lunchtime. Does everybody just you know y'all have a lunch for system a and y'all say or in person? Yes, mm -hmm. for, for um, virtual. 
Last year, at the last seven weeks, we transitioned from our regular in-class schedule to using that same schedule virtually until they realized how long of a day it was. And so as the weeks passed, it just kept getting shorter and shorter. So they had a lunch, you know, still their normal second grade lunch time. But now, starting last week, we end our day so early that we take many breaks in between that they can snack. And then, you know, our day is over at 1232. So after that, please go eat. And Erica already <laughs> told you she has snacks in her lesson plan. So they just snack all the way to the classroom. And they will ask if they don't get a snack. Oh, please. No, they, they, they will ask you. They're hungry. And there, our normal lunch time for second grade is 10.58. So them eating at 12.32 is a stretch. And it's like, I mean, pulling teeth. So just letting them snack earlier through the day. And then once they're done for the day, go do as you please. Now, someone sent me a question, which I thought was pretty good, about what happens if someone tests positive? What is the protocol, if any, other than get away from me? and lock them in the closet. So I know for our district, I believe now the policy changes. So I believe right now, um, if someone tests positive, that person has to take the mandatory 10 days um, of um, quarantine. And they're going to try to trace the people they were in contact with. And those people also have to take the 10 days um, and if you are someone who just has symptoms, but you didn't get a positive test, you have to take the 10 days unless you can provide a negative COVID test. And I think as far as the kids, I, the last I heard, like after your 10 days, I think you just come, if you don't have symptoms, you can come back. But I think there, there's discussion about making them test again to get a negative. I don't know if a negative is necessary after you've done the 10 days, but it changes every day, just about. Um, and then they'll take, they're supposed to sanitize the spaces where that the student was or the teacher was. Um, but I don't think they haven't said anything about school closures. So basically just you take your 10 days, you get your negative test and then you can come back. So I think I missed it. So are they making y'all take the 10 days out of your own time or are they giving it to you? Well, finally, they told us that through the CARES Act, we get those 10 days. But then the next question was, what happens if it's longer than 10 days? And they said we would probably have to do um, FMLA or short-term disability. Okay. So they some just couldn't see y'all summer vacation. Y'all the only adults who get summers off anyway. Who got a summer off? Cut y'all summers down. Ooh, uh, who has summer off? Most of us <laughs> work so I actually want to get into that real quick. So are they saying because of we're, um, we are experiencing COVID and maybe this is more of a Miss Edwards question since we are experiencing COVID. Has there any talk about trying to make up any school time after what's happening like maybe next year or like adding more days throughout this 2020-21 school year? Um, what our district has done since we started two weeks later, um, our calendar was then moved back two weeks. So now we don't finish until June. But just like you would do for like a snow day or a flood or anything else, inclement weather uh, days, we have where our calendar extends all the way through the end of June if needed. Um, so it's just tentative that if we're out for two, three weeks, 
because I can't remember the exact percentage, but if a certain percentage of your campus um, tests positive, then there may be a possibility of a shutdown. And then if a certain percent of your district um, has COVID, then the district may shut down. So we've already built in about an extra three to four weeks um, if that happens where the calendar would be extended, meaning that worst case scenario, we could be going to early July. Good luck still, on getting a substitute. Are they still <laughs> trying to do um, any standardized testing too? Like, are they doing the standardized testing during, I mean, these are unprecedented times. So are the students required to do standardized testing? Um, the famous words for this year is at this time, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> things are subject to change day by day, hour by hour. Um, but at this time, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we are actually getting ready to come um, to closer to the end of the show. And during this segment, we have what is called rest our case. So rest my case is if there's anything going on that you just are so fed up with, like I always say our famous, um, this is what we said in the beginning of our podcast, our famous, if you don't have like the word lit, like Liddy, you're so over it. Just let it go. Rest it. Let's bury it. Let's not bring it back up. So I'm going to start off with um, Taria about um, what is her rest, her case. Before, before we go there, before we mm -hmm. go there, can can I ask them a question before oh, okay. we go there? Okay. Miss, Madam, um, hostess of the mostest on, on this podcast. Yeah. Um, yes, moderator. I'll call you Miss Whoopi Gilbert, Goldberg. No. <laughs> My question is, when it comes to this whole... COVID and education, right? I feel like we've spent all the newscast, all the reports, it's concerned about the students and the parents. The parents and the students. What's gonna happen to the children? What's gonna happen to the parents? But you know, there's a group of people that they forgot about. Like the whole group of people, the staff, the administrators, educators. And luckily today we're talking to three Fabulous, by my, if I do say so myself. And so I'm going to ask you the question that you're probably not asked a lot during this time. How do you guys feel about this whole entire situation? Are you worried? Are you afraid? Are you scared? I mean, I just really want to hear from you guys because I feel like y'all are kind of the people that we forgot about. And I apologize on behalf of the country. Um, because y'all are teaching us, y'all are, y'all are feeding us, y'all are tr bu busting us. So how do y'all feel about this whole situation that we've discussed here today? Anybody can start. Okay, I guess I'll start. Um, it's funny you bring that up. There's been a lot of discussion um, on teachers feeling left out of the conversation and I've gone back and forth with the ideal of, have we been really considered? Have we not? Um, and I am leaning towards, you know, the, the decision, this decision is a very big decision that affects a lot of different lives. And I think from what I'm hearing from, I'll say my district per se, I do feel like there has been a lot of consideration for all staff, um, but all staff have so many needs that it may not feel that the consideration has been made for everyone. Um, me, myself, I mean, if I had to decide, I probably would have stayed at home a little bit longer. Um, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily 
afraid to go back to work because I feel like that it's going to be my responsibility to make sure that I am being safe, that I am making safe choices, and that I'm holding others accountable for doing the same thing. Um, so if I see someone not wearing their mask, you know, reminding them because, you know, adults, we we walk out without it sometimes ourselves, you know, making sure that they're wearing their mask. If students aren't wearing their mask, finding some creative way to help them want to do it. You know, I've heard a lot of teachers coming up with a lot of different ideas for making, um, taking the shields and making them into super sh uh, power shields from super heroes and, you know, kids get into that. So I think, you know, we can take this situation and make it negative, or we can find a way to make it positive. And I think that's what it's gonna take on everyone's part is to just be creative in their approach conversation with parents, conversation with the community to try to make the best out of the worst. Cause you know, no one wanted this, no one asked for it, but here we are. So let's go. Next. <laughs> um, for me, um, like Ms. Edwards said, I mean, we're in this situation. It's a situation that's beyond our control and we only are responsible for ourselves. And so I, I'm doing it for my kids, honestly. I think about those kids who can't afford to stay home. And I want to be that person that, okay, you know, if I got to just go in there, I just have to go in there. <laughs> so, you know, I think about that and, you know, just being responsible for myself. I think it is a horrible situation, but I am trying my hardest not to let it consume me and consume my life. You know, I did quarantine. I did, for the most part, I slipped up a couple of times. But for the most part, stop it, Sam. For the most part, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm following the rules. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm still trying to maintain sanity by maintaining a life because it's hard. Like, I know some people that are going absolutely insane. And I, I'm trying not to go that route trying to keep some sense of normalcy in my life, you know, with following the guidelines that I'm supposed to be following. And I think going back to school is one of those things. Like, again, get me out of my house, please. <laughs> That's my question. Um, so for me, I'm, um, I'm not as optimistic because I feel like we're being, um, instead of being proactive, we're just going to wait to be reactive when in reality, there's a way to avoid uh, more spread of a virus we know little to nothing about, or we don't know enough about to safely um, go back to school or to go back to work. When I hear my friends who work in the corporate sector say they're not going back to mid next year, and you're telling me I have to go into a building with close to 600 people, no matter, you know, no matter how big the building is, and I mean, that's a low number. I'm at a, a, a middle school that has close to 1300 students where parents get to decide whether or not they do virtual or whether or not they go face to face. And so it changes every day. We've seen that this past week. Um, I feel like teachers, it's already a thankless profession, but then to, all, to become a voiceless profession where we have no say. Um, for my district in particular, we didn't get a survey right away. We didn't get a survey until someone said, hey, somebody got to teach those kids. Who won't teach them? And they were like, oh, those people, the teachers. And so, you know, it, 
when I talk about education, I tell people I'm super passionate about it. I'm super passionate about educators. I'm super passionate about um, kids learning, but this is the only profession that creates other professions. You cannot do anything without a teacher. However, when we go, when we hear people talk about teachers being concerned about going back and the first thing they call us are cowards or we shouldn't get paid, they should cut our pay. I'm like, a few years ago, we had to do a training where if there was an active shooter, we were told to first avoid, then, um, what was it, defend, and then next retreat or something like, they were having trainings where we had to practice throwing balls at gunmen. You know what I'm saying? So to call us cowards, it's like, no, we've dedicated our lives to your children, to protect your children. We just ask for the same um, in return. Um, another thing, you know, we're constantly asked to do, do, give, and give. And the moment we speak up, we're guilted into feeling like we're asking for too much. I don't think there's a teacher in, on, in America who's like, I don't want to go. I never want to go back to a classroom. I hate seeing my kids. I don't want to deal with them. I'd rather stay home and be virtual all the time. But, if, but we do want to be safe. We do want to live. And some of us are facing big medical issues that would, that could potentially land us, you know, in a very critical state because of a kid who showed up to school who's asymptomatic. And I mean, we can be as careful as we want to be. I've known people um, who have quarantined, but still ended up with the virus because of one simple mistake. So yes, we are responsible for our actions, but there's only so much you can do. Like I said, it's a virus. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't have a mind to say, oh no, she's been in the house for six weeks. I'm gonna leave her alone. No, it's like, oh, that's a host. <laughs> Much time to eat. So, you know, we just have to, I hope that moving forward, people start to realize how Education is the foundation of this country. Once we shut schools down, the economy started to tank. Once we start talking about there are there's nowhere for your kids to go, families have to make major decisions about what to do with their kids. So I hope moving forward, there's more appreciation for the profession and that people are willing to, you know, hear our voices and not automatically assume that we just don't want to do the job. That's not it. We've agreed to your terms over and over again, no matter what you've thrown at us, we've agreed to them. This is the one time where we're like, whoa, let's take a step back. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, you're a coward. Let them hear your rally cry. <laughs> I was also, yeah, I was just also going to say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was also going to say I have worked more virtually oh, than yeah. I have ever worked. <laughs> of a classroom I promise you that I never thought that that was possible like mm -hmm. the amount of work because you don't know when to cut it off mm -hmm. if you're getting flooded with emails they don't care when they send you emails my phone is going off all the time and it's it was a lot it was overwhelming so for you know the public to call you know some people call teachers cowards or you know oh you get a vacation for two months okay but do you know what i go through for 10 months though <laughs> so it's like the whole virtual part i literally worked more and all of my teacher friends were like we are tired it's exhausting yeah. you think oh you're sitting at home on a computer no sis i am working hard right Listen, yeah. I, I think I think we can all agree on this panel, even though we're not teachers, uh, the three of us are lawyers and they're having court Zoom hearings. 
Mm -hmm. um, and so that is exhausting too. A hearing that normally would take maybe an hour and a half or two hours now takes eight hours. Mm -hmm. So I think we can all relate that this virtual adjustment um, can be taxing on the body and the mind. And yeah. The soul. And as since I'm all virtual, like <laughs> we had a meeting last week and then I realized I'm doing all, I had to switch all my curriculum into a virtual platform. And on top of that, now I'm not explaining. It's like I'm doing the job of two teachers, a face-to-face -face teacher and a virtual teacher. So I still have to have all the virtual things in place. But when I when it comes to Zoom, I still need to do uh, what they call a mini lesson, but that doesn't really exist in my in my teaching world. It's a lesson. I have to do a lesson with the kids on Zoom and they said I have to meet with them at least three times or have offer, I'm junior high too, so it, we have periods. So I have to have at least three Zoom meetings a day and the kids have to each have to have at least two hours of instruction from me so i have to offer i'm basically going to offer four zoom meetings every day of every yeah. week yeah I as well as have my five day set up in um the schoology i guess that's what we do yeah we we get up we say the pledge we say <laughs> you know we have a moment of silence <laughs> Go, we can do everything, I swear. I mean, Erica, everything. do you have a flag? <laughs> yes, Erica <laughs> made a flag. Yes. And a microphone. Okay, ladies. <laughs> we definitely appreciate you. When I, I, <laughs> we definitely appreciate y'all's services. And we definitely appreciate what y'all are doing for the children. And, you know, like I said, these are definitely unprecedented times. You know, it's it's a lot going on. And unfortunately, this is our new normal. Like there is no right or wrong. Like Sam said, we can all agree that working from home virtually is very, you know, like daunting on all of us. Like this is new for all of us. So like Dr. Gale, I'm one of those that we don't know when we're going back into the office. It's mm -hmm. maybe sometime in 2021, but I'm over, <laughs> I'm over it right now. So mm -hmm. I definitely, you know, I definitely get it. We definitely appreciate y'all. And um, now we are going to we have to wrap things up. So we are coming to the rest by case. Like I said, thank you all again for your thoughts and everything else. So I'm going to have T. Hutch start with the um, what resting her case for tonight. What are we resting? Now, Madam Hostess, I'm ready to rest <laughs> my case. So mine is very simple. I think I've said it on every episode we've had since COVID start, started. Let's stop criticizing each other. No one knows what we're doing at all. And I think that there's no right or wrong answer. And instead, we're pitting each other against one another and saying, well, we should be online. We should be in, in the classroom. We should do this. We should do that. And no one knows what we should be doing, honestly. We're just kind of learning as we go. And I think it just proves once time and time again how crazy life is. And this is the same life that we make every day. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, whatever decision you make for your household, it's going to work for your household. Um, don't look at your neighbor's household, look at your own household. And if that works for you, then that works for you. If it's teachers going inside the classroom, go. If it's staying at home, hope you can stay at home. If it's sending your child inside the classroom because you're tired of them, do what you got to do. But let's just stop because we need to come together and and really the the more that we show each other grace i think 
the the easier it is to get through this this, this crazy situation that we're in. That's, That's all. Good. Sam phrase. Okay, so I'm cutting you off. Don't make it long. I'm not. Well, you didn't say that to Taria, so I'm gonna take mine. Wasn't that. long. Mine wasn't okay. <laughs> <wasn't that> long. <laughs> um, so I actually believe there is a right answer, guys. Wear your freaking mask and stop <laughs> using HIPAA laws and doctor's notes and things that don't in the Constitution as ways to defend for not wearing a mask. Now, if you don't want to wear a mask, it's fine. Stay in the house and don't contact anyone um, and go outside and spread the virus because um, everyone says they have these constitutional rights. Well, guess what? This is a little nugget. If it was HIV virus, okay, and you were knowingly going around spreading something and not wearing protection and unintentionally exposing people, you would face criminal charges. Now, let's put that into retrospective. This is a virus too. You could be spreading and infecting people and unknowingly spreading it and killing them. So let's all just wear a mask, okay? HIPAA laws only apply to federal agencies, by the way, so stop saying that. And then also the constitutional law does not give you freedom to kill people, okay? So stop saying that. Let, let's lay those to bed, put on your mask. I love you. Dr. Edwards, I'm going to start with you, our, vice, our assistant um, principal. No, speak it into existence. Doctor is on the I line. was just going to say, girl, I'm working oh, on my doctor's degree. I'm, so go ahead I and am. speak this. I go am. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at you. And I'm going to see um, this, our assistant principal. I'm giving it to you, Dr. Edwards. I'm a year I'm, in. I'm manifesting that, I take, Dr. Edwards. I take yes, all of that. Because that was for you, but I just put doctor in front of it, so I'm manifesting that for you. I like the way that sounds, so I'm working <laughs> on it. Um, I would, mine is along the lines of what Taria had mentioned. You know, this is a very hard time for everyone, whether it's you've lost your job, you've lost family members, um, and we just need to be understanding that there are a ton of situations and circumstances that people are looking at and dealing with in their life. Um, I, I've told the staff and a word that I often want to use this year is extending grace. Um, grace that as an administrator, I won't always get it right. I know teachers are worried about CF tests and appraisal systems. It's grace. We, we have come off of a very difficult time and walking into a difficult time. So uh, we need to understand that we're not always going to get it right and be there to support each other, be there to build each other up, be there to understand that we're not going to see it the same way, but that's okay. As long as we stay together, work together, um, have open communication, we're able to move forward. So I think all of the, you know, breaking people apart and this group and that group, and they want to say this for me and not speaking, like, this is a time to come together more than any other time um, because I really don't see a right or wrong. It varies depending on your situation. So um, just people coming together and as Samantha said, just wear your mask. <laughs> Dr. Gale. Um, I'm someone who likes politics and I like science, but I do not like them together. So <laughs> I guess my final word is when it comes to making decisions about your health, 
listen to people who are health professionals um, and leave politics out of schools, out of your medical records, out of all of it. And yes, wear your mask. So, and to my teachers, I just want to say, say, stay inspired, stay motivated and stay flexible. We're going to be just fine. We're going to do it. And I'm going to throw that Dr. Ward over there, too. We manifesting all that over there. Let's put it in the atmosphere. Let's get it. Don't be a no for me, dog. I <laughs> don't. <laughs> At least you know yourself. Uh-uh. Shoot, manifest. Shoot. <laughs> I mean, that particular, man, I mean, oh. I mean, <laughs> you know yourself. I know myself. You know I know yourself. what I can and cannot do. Um, I am a creative. I am a hands-on person. I am not a business person, even though I have a business. I suck at it, but I. She I does just, not suck at her business. She sucks at the business part of it. This is that part. <laughs> uh, so um, let me just say, I this whole process, God has kept me, my friends, and my family completely covered. I continue to say this. I have had no. I've had a little scare. Had a little asthma attack, but I'm alive. But, and you know, everybody just went str- scream COVID, Samantha included, but <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> Test came back negative. Um, but, you know, just, I tried to look, I am an optimistic <laughs> person. So I look at, I'm the glass half full type of person. I have been covered this whole time. I am blessed. I keep saying, okay, at least I have a job. I still have a job. I'm still employed. That's the way that I look at it. A hundred percent wear your mask, do what's best for you, do what's best for your kids, do what's best for your household, do what's best for your pockets. And I mean, just stay safe. Um, I signed up to go in the classroom, period. And that's where I'm going. If we go back. So that's not even a hundred percent. If we do, I'm in there like swimwear, but Yes, Erica. And, and I'm going to have my mask on. I cannot breathe. I am that person that, you know, I'm going to tell you I got asthma. But I'm going to go in H-E-B with my mask on. I promise. I go everywhere with my mask on. I keep several. I borrow. I mean, I borrow. You know, the nurse has some. I just kind of like dip every <laughs> once in a while. She's sweet about it. But my school gave us some with our logo on it. So, you know, we we have everything that, you know, we could possibly need. And I'm taking full advantage and I'm just grateful honestly throughout this whole process this whole pandemic I have been okay this whole time in my family so I'm just grateful 100 percent Erica cares about herself Brandy I wanted to clarify something uh earlier I said HIPAA laws only apply to federal agencies let me clarify because I want to email HIPAA laws apply to individuals, but the only person that can bring a lawsuit for a violation of a HIPAA violation is a federal entity. So let me clarify that because I don't want no emails from these Google lawyers, okay? So, ladies, um, wait, what's your arrest? What's your arrest? Your case? You didn't give one. She never had one. I never had one. I mean, my I guess my rest of my case, I'm gonna say it every episode is you know, make sure bring on I'm gonna throw a little politics in there because everybody know who I blame for COVID. So I'm just gonna say vote. Where does he reside? Where does he reside? Vote. Where does that person reside? Vote. Okay. Is it a White House? Okay. Vote. 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 Those that know me know who I blame for COVID. So, vote, vote, vote. 
Vote, vote, vote. In Texas, October 15th, I think is the first day of um, early voting. So don't listen about the whole post office thing, mail-in ballot. You need to go vote. Go vote, go vote, go vote. Vote, yeah. vote, vote. Period. Um, but ladies, this is up to you. Um, usually we have tell we actually have our guests tell our listeners where to follow you. But because you know, this is an open forum, people have been listening. I don't know if y'all want to put your um social media platforms out there, but it's totally up to y'all if y'all want to have our listeners follow y'all. But there may be parents that have listened, you know, in your districts or whatever. So it's up to you if you want to let them know. So just let me know if they can follow y'all on social media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do you hear they got enough enough emails and contacts and they're like, please, they're like, please don't contact me on my social media. Crickets. <laughs> they gonna get a, a a DM. So Billy had a question. Right. The Insta story, you just posted it. And they, they know how to find you. They know <laughs> how to find you. That, the that email is enough. A private Facebook, you know, message is is they they will find you. <laughs> but I'm I'm friends with a lot of my my old students' kids because we just I just have a close relationship with them. And, you know, we talk to them all the time. So, I mean, they know where to find you. They know where to find me. Erica can't let go. She one of them teachers who can't. I can't. I can't. Hold them close. Well, thank you again, ladies. Sam Fraze, are we following you today? You know what? You're going to follow me to the polls. Actually, follow the AKAs because they out of control. Let me see. <laughs> follow them to the polls, okay? Because them babies are already there in a pink and green ensemble, okay? <laughs> see, <laughs> are they following you? Yes, they can always follow me. Um, anybody can follow me. Single men can follow me. Um, <laughs> really, CEOs can follow me. Why not? Why not? I Why feel not? it. I feel it. Put it out there. One eight hundred. Manifest that. Manifest. Come on. Come on. And then you can follow me to the polls on November third to go vote because I personally feel like it's time for a moving truck to show up at that White House. So. Come on and vote. Come with me on November third. But you can follow me on seeing simply being T on Instagram. That's where I am. Um, I'm always there. Thank you guys so much, by the way, for showing up tonight. I appreciate all three of the educators that showed up to talk to us tonight. This was fun. Thank you. If the, if the pink and greeners win, it's gonna be a pink and green moving truck. I guarantee you. <laughs> and it, whoever it don't matter it can be whatever yeah. need to be up there at see on 1600 black lives matter plaza <laughs> <laughs> but y'all can follow me at brand underscore janae i actually made my page unprivate for 2.5 seconds so you better come on in before i make it back private again and always you can follow us on no further questions facebook page thank you all for who have tuned in live we appreciate it um, this is our kind of like our mini anniversary special. So thank y'all for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, this is Taria's uh, social media takeover. Sam was last week. So yes, they, they're doing an amazing job. So definitely follow them on Instagram at uh, no further Q and follow us on Twitter at NFQ pod. So catch us next time. Thank y'all. And we're out. Thank you.